This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Patrick Prisco. And I'm Father Gregory Pine. Welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, here we are again. It is Lent. Uh, I guess, is this now our third Lent on the podcast? Is that right? Dang. We are getting so old, you guys. Can you believe it? <laughs> Lent 2022. How the time has changed us. Ugh. Tempest Fugit. Uh, time has just gone. <laughs> well, as as you, dear listeners, probably remember, um, I guess it was this time three years ago when COVID uh, shut things down. So we decided to um, to do some Sunday Lectios for those who weren't able to, I guess all of us at that time, well, not us because we were religious, but all of you at that time who weren't able to make it to Mass to look at the Sunday readings for the Lenten season. Um, we continued that through Advent and with the Advent seasons, and now we're back, like we were just saying, three years back into Lent. So um, we thought we would carry on with this sort of God-splitting tradition of having these Sunday Lectio episodes, um, although we're able to get to Mass a bit more, um, still to help perhaps focus on the readings for Sunday, spend a little time with the Scripture, a little time with our Lord, um, as we prepare for the, the mysteries of the Triduum and the Resurrection. So, um, as we have, we'll walk through the readings, uh, but we'll start with, with a prayer by praying the Collect for the first Sunday of Lent. Grant, Almighty God, through the yearly observances of Holy Lent, that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ, and by worthy conduct pursue their effects. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Father Patrick, would you uh, read the first reading for us? A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses spoke to the people, saying, The priest shall receive the basket from you and shall set it in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean who went down to Egypt with a small household and lived there as an alien. But there he became a nation great, strong, and numerous. When the Egyptians maltreated and oppressed us, imposing hard labor upon us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and he heard our cry and saw our affliction, our toils, and our oppression. He brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand and outstretched arm, with terrifying power, with signs and wonders. And bringing us into this country, he gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. Therefore, I have now brought you the first fruits of the products of the soil which you, O Lord, have given me. And having set them before the Lord your God, you shall bow down in his presence. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These or this season of Lent, as as with the season of Advent, both of these penitential but seasons are also preparatory seasons. They, they exist in the church's calendar and in our sort of cycle of worship and observance, so as to prepare us for the greatest of mysteries. So obviously Advent prepares us for Christmas, Lent prepares us for Easter. Um, but that begs the question, preparation for what? Or obviously Easter, but what does that mean for us to just simply relive or, or listen again to the passion narrative of our Lord? What does it mean for us? What, for what are we being prepared. And ultimately, um, we are being prepared, renewed, um, strengthened again by our Lord's mercy through the observance of 
observances of Lent, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, were being renewed so as to enter again, enter anew um, into friendship with Christ, into friendship with our Lord. And it's in this reading from the book of Deuteronomy, one of the first books of the Bible, that we see this desire of our Lord on display, right from the beginning, that after after uh, man fell and after uh, the exodus from Egypt, as of course time went there, our Lord still desires to be in union, in friendship with his chosen people. The first lines of the reading, um, when Moses speaks, he says, the priest shall receive the basket from you and you shall set it in front of the altar of the Lord. Um, it reminds me a lot of what happens even now in, our, in, in, in Mass, in the setting of Mass, that gifts are brought up by the people to the priest to be offered to God. And I think that ought to turn our mind not to simply offering material things, um, you know, or symbol- symbolized by the gifts that we bring to the altar, but that we are called to offer our very selves. Ultimately, that's what we're, as Christians, we're called to, to love as Christ does and to offer ourselves, to give ourselves back to him who has given himself totally and completely to us. This is for what we are being prepared to make a, a living sacrifice of our of our lot of our lives to to share in God's life. Um, the gifts here in, in the book of Deuteronomy they represent what is best, the first fruits of the people, the first heart, the first things harvested um, by by the people by the Israelites. Um, but really, it represents what is what is best and and most precious and most dear that it's sacrificed to the Lord and and for our part, that's us. So this time of Lent that um, is a time to look again at our lives and uh, look at examine the things that might be holding us back from our friendship, from our relationship with Christ, and to recognize how it is that the Lord is offering His grace to be renewed and strengthened, so that we too can approach. The altar can approach the resurrection, renewed, strengthened, and with a, with a, a fresh and renewed offering of, of ourselves to share in, in his life. So I was struck by the fact in reading this reading that it comes at the end of the first five books of the Bible and at the end of that fifth book, Deuteronomy. This is taken from chapter 26, and the book ends with chapter 34. So since we're beginning the season of Lent, it seems strange to begin with an ending. But here we find the Israelites uh, at the threshold of entry into the Promised Land, which they accomplish in the next book of the Bible. But it's a kind of solemn send-off on the part of Moses, who will die in Deuteronomy 34 and won't himself enter into the land of promise. Part because he's completed his mission and part because of a punishment for past transgression. But what he does with the Israelite people in this particular moment is to kind of lead them in a confession of faith, which is fascinating because confessions of faith are a way in which we mark beginnings. So, you know, at the House of Studies, when a new prior takes office, he confesses the faith. Or um, when we were ordained deacons, I want to say, right beforehand, we profess the faith in kind of solemn assembly in the, in the context of our, our studentate chapter. Um, or, I mean, you can think about during this Lenten season as we make preparation, like Father Jacob Bertrand said, for the Triduum, all of those catechumens who are received into full communion uh, will make a profession of faith in anticipation of the mysteries that they receive. So it's fitting that at the beginning of this time of Lent, we with, you know, all who kind of journey to the fullness of the truth in the Catholic Church would make this profession of faith. And it's fascinating then to witness what it is that they profess belief in. They, prefer, they profess belief in a God who hears, in a God who sees, and in a God who delivers. So 
as we embark upon this Lenten season, um, all of our efforts are founded on a God who hears, a God who sees, a God who delivers. Basically, a God who is good, a God who is provident, a God who loves us, and a God who will give us abundant grace during this time of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. That, that was very poetic. My comments are not that poetic. Um, I, I was at a Sunday Mass at uh, a parish, I won't say where, it was St. Pius in Providence, Rhode Island, and, uh, and the lector got up and read this reading and read, My father was a wandering Armenian, which is, which is a common enough mistake to make in this reading. And uh, uh, that is not what the text of the Scripture says. It does not say Armenian. It says Aramean. But the point uh, that I that I wanted to make in bringing up this common enough mistake, which now you've been for, uh, you've been forewarned of, um, is that uh, Lent is a story about going out from the place where we know, from our ancestral place, and um, from places where we're comfortable, uh, to where the Lord wants us to lead. So if our Lent isn't about change, if it isn't about going forth from the land of our home, the land of our people, the land we once knew to go into a new place, um, then we're doing Lent wrong. So right at the beginning of Lent, we have a sense that we're on pilgrimage with the Lord, that we're being led out of places where we're comfortable. Uh, we're being led away, hopefully, from bad habits, from deadly sin, even, into life, renewed life with God. And if we don't have that sense of being on a journey, and if we don't have the sense that we're traveling with God, if we're not ready for the trip, um, then then we'll miss the beautiful opportunities that the Lord wants to put before us. So Lent takes a bit of courage at the beginning, right, to go out from the land we know, be it Armenia or elsewhere, into the land that the Lord wants to wants to um, welcome us into. With that, we'll turn to our second reading, <clears throat> a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, what does Scripture say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we preach. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. For the scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, enriching all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here I am again struck by the phenomenon of confession. So you see that word confess come up a couple of times in this reading. And it's a confession which gives testimony to an interior dynamism. So there are basically two parts of the act of faith. There's that interior dynamic of, of belief and then that exterior dynamic of confession. And it's not like, you know, belief is all important and confession is when you get around to it. It's more like soul and body, right? They, they make up one faith wherein we live and abide in God. And so, you know, turning from the confession of faith, which, with which the, the book of Deuteronomy concludes, to this confession of faith, you know, that comes to us from the Apostle Paul. Uh, what, what, what do we have, what we, what, excuse me, what do we have that we didn't have before? Or what do we have that fills out the picture from what we heard previously? Well, at the heart of this confession is the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is risen from the dead. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So not only is God good, not only does God hear, see, and deliver, God will give you his divine life. 
He'll give you his grace, which is to say he will save you from your wounds and weakness and draw you into the context of a life with him, you know, unto ages of ages. So this confession which we make in in belief, uh, this confession which we make in faith, is a very consoling one, a very encouraging one, because at the heart of it is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ who comes in search of us during the season of Lent and at whose voice we thrill and to whose invitation we respond. Uh, Let's move from that to the need to confess the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, So I sort of thought that you were going to start here, Father Gregory, but but you didn't, so so I will. I think uh, one of, one of the things that we often talk about on God's planning is is the Christian difference, that being a Christian is worth it and makes the shape of life different. Uh, so it's not um, an exaggeration to say that that the world we live in is just a wash in a sea of relativism, and it's very easy to to get caught up in the idea that being a good person looks the same in every great philosophy or every great world religion. But that's not what Christians think. We think that. We think that it's necessary to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus in order to be saved, and that knowing Christ and being uh, being introduced to God the Father through Christ changes the horizon of our life and really does something different in our lives. So that wasn't especially eloquent. It was a little bit of an of an old man rant, but it provides an opportunity all of us when we hear these when when we hear these readings this Sunday to say. No, I, I do believe in Christ Jesus. I believe that he, the Lord, has made an extraordinary difference in my life. Without the Lord, my life would, would not look the same. It would be lacking. I might, I might even lack uh, eternal salvation. And that I won't ever be embarrassed or put to shame for calling on, as Scripture says, the name of the Lord. This reading introduces a bit of like, I, th- I don't know, like co- chronological schizophrenia. So as Father... Gregory pointed out the first reading, we begin kind of at the end of the the Pentateuch, the end of the first five books of the scriptures, but it's still kind of a beginning time, you know, beginning after the Exodus and that sort of thing, at least compared to where we're going with the incarnation and towards Easter. We're still relatively at the beginning with the first reading, but this reading here, we sort of, uh, we skip all the way to the end. that it's kind of given away. If you believe in your heart, right, St. Paul, that God raised him from the dead, it's like, well, there's the ending. So first Sunday of Lent, you know, we, we've kind of made it all the way through. And it introduces a kind of, yeah, schizophrenia with time. We're just all over the place. So it would appear, but not really. Why not really? Well, because as we've been talking about, as I mentioned with respect to the first reading, we have to know the end. We have to know that for which we are being prepared. We're being prepared for the resurrection, and we need to know that from the very beginning. And as Father Patrick says, this takes pursuing that takes a good deal of courage. And if we don't have the end in sight, if we don't, if we aren't reassured that Christ is raised from the dead, uh, then then what's what's the point? Uh, the beauty of what St. Paul writes here is, yes, this confession that Christ has been raised from the dead, but really this last line in the, in the passage, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's so appropriate for Lent as we enter into the 40 days that feels like 40 years um, to, to look at our pursuit of Christ, whether in, through our disciplines or our prayer and fasting and almsgiving, um, 
as as something that not not that we do by struggling or striving harder to do, but something that our Lord invites us into and that his grace sustains us in, and that when we call upon his name to continue these practices, to continue these disciplines, to continue to build Christian habits, um, we can call upon his name and trust that he's already risen from the dead and that his grace is on offer and that he's on offer and that when we call upon his name, indeed, we will be saved, we will be strengthened, we'll, we will receive his mercy. That's the way by which we we ought to enter into this season of Lent to confess our faith, to live our faith, and, and to do that courageously. With that, let's turn to the first Sunday of Lent's Gospel. Uh, Father Gregory is going to read that for us. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. And this, all this will be yours, if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the neat ways to um, look at this gospel, neat ways, and that's, that doesn't really do it justice. One of the more profound ways to look at this gospel is to see the, the temptations of Christ speaking to the wounds of original sin. So one of the ways of classifying our concupiscence, that is our enduring uh, tendency to sin as human beings, the, the, the effects of our original sin um, of our first parents uh, so many years ago, which, which are so obvious, by the way, you know, sorry, not to distract myself, but I'm always amazed when, when people are unwilling to talk about sin, because to me, it's the most obvious thing in the world. There's, there's plenty of it. I'm always confused when people deny that. Anyway, uh, these these three wounds of original sin, right, are the wound uh, to our intellect, to being able to think with clarity and precision, the wound to our heart, to being able to love rightly, and the wound to our passions, um, to being able to live a well-ordered life. That's one schema. And you can see those here. So first, speaking to bread, the kind of uh, passions are, are, you know, sensate, sensible desires, um, the wound to... Uh, worshiping the Lord your God, um, the wound to love, being able to love God, and the wound um, to, to tempting God, being able to determine what the Lord should do, the wound to our mind, the wound to knowing our future and God's plans for us, uh, and, the, and the desire to tempt God. So I think it's very interesting to look at these three basic temptations. Christ, who is like us in all ways but sin, uh, gives us here in these temptations a path, a way to past to move beyond those continuing threats, those three wounds of original sin. Yeah, I think if we, the 
Father Patrick separated the the wounds of sin uh, according to these three temptations of the you know as he just said the wounds to the intellect to the to the will to the heart and to the passions I think we can look at them individually of course but we can also look at them as a whole and when we look at them as a whole um, our woundedness our sin our temptation or being like falling into into the temptations with which we are presented um, all of it is 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 uh, I don't know rooted in a, in a form of self-preservation, something that is antithetical to the Christian life, to the imitation of Christ, and to this self-giving that, that I mentioned earlier and that we've, that we've been talking about. If we look at the sin of Adam and Eve, we see that um, their, their fault was not that they wanted something different, but the means of their wanting, you know, their, their, the share of divine life, the share of knowledge, the share of love was on offer to them as a gift to be received from our Lord, but they tried to take it for their own, on their own terms, um, to satisfy their own desires. We can think about the ways by which we behave, um, the ways in which we fail, our vices, our sins. We, if we think about it, they all kind of boil down to a sort of self-preservation of what's good for me? How do I please myself? How do I go about things my own sort of way? Um, but all of that is antithetical to the Christian life. And if we look at what is what our Lord is, uh, what our Lord is showing us in the gospel by his temptations is that even though we are tempted and you know the broken human condition is tempted to to seek our own individual good first uh not to love well indeed um where we are called and given the ability to to change that by his grace to love well to know well to to you know live well with our passions that these things are an offer ultimately a life of virtue is something that we can pursue it's not a hopeless cause a hopeless task and ultimately as again as we've been talking about this pursuit leads us into friendship with Christ it's Christ who is the fullness of virtue and perfection and it's to that life that we are each called so apropos of what Father Patrick said regarding the wounds uh, dealt to us by the original sin, and then apropos of Father Jacob Bertrand, what you were saying about this course set before us of growth and virtue, um, you know, the one of the ways in which this particular passage addresses both of those uh, questions, concerns, desires, as it were, uh, is by proposing the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So... Um, you know, we, we lost a lot in original sin. We lost grace. We lost virtue. We lost all kinds of cool skills like impassibility and immortality. And God's plan for us is that we be reconstituted, right, in, in each of those gifts, but in the how much more of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we get grace at baptism. We get virtue over the course of our whole lives. We get all those cool skills at the end of the age. Um, so ha- how then are we to attain to such heights? Our Lord Jesus Christ is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So after he's baptized, he goes into the desert. Why? For love of us. When St. Thomas comments this passage, he says, at the, tempt- or excuse me, at the baptism, he is clothed in divine mystery, and at the temptation, he is tested in virtue. And if there is something that we want to be true of us, it's that we want to be clothed in divine mystery and tested in virtue. So our Lord Jesus Christ does it for us, right? He does it in our flesh. He kind of rehearses the drama of our conquest and accomplishes it and goes before us in that conquest. So for us, again, it's just a a great gift and a great consolation to know that we do not have a high priest who is not, you know, sympathetic to our state, who has not endured all that we have had, well, all that we endure and more. So 
in this in this Lenten season, we draw richly from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has passed through every trial or temptation, which we might endure in coming days, and has come out on the other side, not only victorious but but gracefully so. And so it's it's with that in mind, with that in heart, that we proceed step by step. All right. So as we, I guess, now fully enter, I guess fully, you can say, first Sunday of Lent really initiates us in into Lent as we step into the season of Lent. Uh, may we do so with every confidence that, as St. Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that we are called to share in his life. And um, in in virtue of that call, we can trust that, that he gives us the strength and the ability and the mercy to pursue him. Um, so I think we will wrap up with uh, the, the prayer over the people for uh, this Sunday's Mass. May bountiful blessing, O Lord, we pray, come down upon your people, that hope may grow in tribulation, virtue be strengthened in temptation, and eternal redemption be assured through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks again to all of our supporters. If you'd like to help out with the work of uh, Godsplaining, check us out at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Godsplaining, especially if you're looking for a way to give alms or tithe during the season of Lent. Why not Godsplaining? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, subscribe, leave a review. That helps us out tremendously. Visit godsplaining.org to shop our merchandise, to find dates and information for upcoming Godsplaining events. And as always, thank you to all of you listeners. Uh, Thank you for all of your support. We will continue to pray for you, especially during the season of Lent, and ask for your prayers for us too. And until next time, God bless.